The following audio message is from Neighborhood Church in Overland Park, Kansas. At Neighborhood Church, we seek to be a community that loves God and our neighbors together. If you would like to learn more about Neighborhood Church, please go to www.neighborhoodchurchop.com. One of our hopes for this church is um, if we all decided to go on a camp out or if or if a bunch of us are going to a wedding over a weekend, um, that we wouldn't feel like um, we have to do a Sunday service. And we want you guys to know, like we felt super encouraged to, about, canc- about canceling that. We asked it, you know, a few guys uh, here in the church um, about that. And, and I just want to say, like, um, I tell other pastor friends about that. Like, what are you going to do? And I was like, well, we're just not going to have church. They're like, you could do that, you know? So I hope you feel like Neighborhood Church is a special place, a place that we don't feel like we have to do things because we always have to do them, but we try to do things that make sense. Um, But if you have opinions about that, like um, when we do stop church or say we're not going to do church this Sunday because this or that, um, please talk to me. We we always want to be in conversation. Um, And if for some reason we just don't do church for like five weeks in a row, come find me. Like there's probably something wrong with that. But throughout the year, there probably would be a few times that because of things that are going on on in the lives of of the church or what's happening, we will stop that. So um, I don't know. I did see some pictures of people went to some different um, places uh, to church, and I thought that was super cool. Um, Just um, encouraging uh, Morgan's church plan and and things like that. I want to, um, um, I do want to say that um, Eric and Leah's wedding was was super special, not just for those of us who got to go, but that because of the work people um, did to, uh, to 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 show it on Facebook Live and to hear so many people um, did tune in and to know that the Stelzer family felt felt loved because of that. So, um, yeah, I mean, I just want to say that was cool. That was super rad, and we we. You know, we're, we're new to some of these things, um, and, and to be there with Eric, some of us, and some of us be home um, making comments on Facebook, um, I know they felt loved. Um, as a pastor of the church, I felt like, I want to go to this church. You know, it just seemed like a sweet, a sweet thing to happen. So um, hopefully you'll, you'll get to see, see them um, today sometime. Give them a hug. And, and, and Eric and Leah, during prayers of the people today, I'm going to pray for you guys, okay? So um, don't go anywhere during the service. <laughs> Um, Let's pray, and then we're going to jump into our our passage for the day. Father, we thank you for uh, the gift of your word, and and each Sunday as we open it up, we study it for um, just for our hearts to be renewed and reminded of who you are and who we are. Um, Thank you that you, just just how your prophets and and how your... the men and women um, that, have, that have put their faith in you and followed you and wrote words down in your spirit, um, keeping those um, just that we can have that thousands of years later um, for us to know who you are and who we are and how we can better understand um, this life uh, inside of our creator. That's a blessing for us. May we respect this time. Uh, may our hearts be changed and moved because of what you're doing in the lives of your people. It's in your name. Amen. So on Sunday mornings, we're studying uh, the life in the kingdom of God, okay? Life in the kingdom. Uh, we're working our way through Matthew. Uh, we're currently in the Sermon on the Mount. Uh, we're in Matthew 6. So if you have a Bible um, or a Bible next to you, we're going to be going to uh, Matthew chapter 6, 16, uh, where Jesus is teaching on fasting. In this section, 
um, in this section, we're going to be looking at very similar things to what we've looked at through the other two um, parts that we've studied, one on giving, stewardship, and, and one on prayer, and, and now on fasting. And I just want to pause here uh, to remind us, you know, what, what's his heart? Well, Jesus' heart is for his creation to fully be satisfied in him. That's Jesus' heart. And people have moved the emphasis, at least in these different scenarios, so much away from uh, God's intention that Jesus takes time here in the Sermon on the Mount to address that. And he wants the best for us. He doesn't want people, right, their faith and their religion to become sort of some sort of spiritual competition that all his children are now doing, um, comparing themselves to one another to see who is the most religious, right, and the most spiritual. Now, just like in other areas of life, um, it does feel good to be rewarded. And Jesus' focus here is, you know, it does feel good to be rewarded, but the idea of the reward coming from people is not exactly what his intention was. It was, he basically said, you will not receive your reward from God but you'll actually receive your reward from man. And, and I started thinking through this week, like, what's this, like, coming out of this scenario, where else in life is this maybe, um, do we see this? And one of these, one of these um, ways it's played out in my life is, is parents, you might understand this. You know when you have this, um, um, and maybe if you, if you don't have kids, maybe you can think of a good friend or something that you've put a lot of time into, but we'll, we'll say parents, for instance, today, you, you have this baby, right? And you take care of this baby. You stay up late. You care for this baby. And he's, he or she's little, you know, and you're, you're not sleeping and the baby is sometimes and vice versa. And you're trying to figure out, you know, what to do with this baby. And the baby grows up and gets a little bit stronger. And then you have to teach the baby to, to feed itself, you know, because that's good for human beings to learn to do that and, and know where to potty and all these very important things humans need to learn. And, and you know, the, the, your kids grow up and they need to learn to read and you help them do that and you spend time reading to them and caring for them and praying for them. You teach them about respect, right? Helping people, how to be diligent, how to be, uh, live a disciplined life. And, you know, they're growing up and all of a sudden in school, um, you know, the teacher tells the kid that they need to write a paper on like the most influential person in their life, right? And they come home and they're like, hey, mom or dad, hey, I, my teacher says I have to write a paper on the person that's been the most influential person in my life and I want to write about you. Doesn't that feel good? That's a reward, right? Anybody feel rewarded by that, by that scenario? That's rewarded. Now, does it pay for all of that stuff you've done? You know, you, it's, that's priceless, right? But it does feel like that's a reward. And that's a reward in the right place. And the Bible even teaches that we should be generous with our rewards. On the men's retreat this weekend, we talked about how we should outdo one another by honoring people. But something happens when the reward is coming from the wrong person, right? Like as parents, say we begin to do things with our kids so other parents think we're good parents. It's kind of a little broken, isn't it? When our shift goes from the one that we're caring for, loving, that's where the reward should come from. But we actually, maybe we're not getting that reward or we're not thinking we're getting that reward. So we start trying to find reward in other things. Like other people seeing how good of parents we are. And that's where we're going to get a reward. We can, we can all say there's a line between 
needing encouragement, young mothers, like, you know what I'm saying? Like there's a season or, or, or just a season we're in now with like lots of kids and lots of little kids. Like we need to encourage one another. But if that's your motive for taking your kids to the park, we can all maybe admit that's a little broken. Our motive should come from wanting to care and serve our kids. So take this in this scenario about, you know, giving and in prayer and fasting, that mankind, sometimes we choose to do some of these things and we don't feel like God's given us the reward. So we start looking to see like, check me out at church, check me out with my Christian friends, I'm doing stuff. And maybe a horn shows up in the corner when you put your money in the box, you know what I'm saying? Like maybe that happens. But Jesus is saying this is, this is not the way or the intention so in seeking the right reward, let's look at page 811 in, your, in the Black Bible, the ESV Bible there. Matthew 6, 16, let's read this. And when you fast, do not look gloomy like the hypocrites, for they disfigure their faces that their fasting may be seen by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face that your fasting may not be seen by others, but by your Father who is in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. And fasting today is not just a spiritual word, as I was just curious, if you type fasting in, in Google, um, you actually, um, all the articles were about just losing weight. So, so fasting is a very common word right now, and people are, uh, you know, it's a kind of a weight loss program. Um, but the fasting here that Jesus is talking about is not that. Uh, fasting here is not doing something good for a better spiritual purpose. That's kind of how we're going to define it today. Not doing something good for a better spiritual purpose. So just like giving in prayer, fasting was a spiritual practice that people were doing. Jesus was not introducing some new um, spiritual discipline but he wanted to get to the heart of the practice that people were already doing. And people were doing these things to be rewarded by their peers. In this example, some were choosing to look even worse than they actually were naturally going to look. So people would know that they were fasting. Jesus loves these people and he wants them to be full. He doesn't want them to live in this backwards life of these, these things that um, are supposed to be good and helpful for us. But he wants to remind us that there is this great reward that God's going to give, but if you're getting it from man, then you're not going to get it from God. And the reward we're going to talk about today is growing in your relationship with God. In the Old Testament, we find the only required day for the Jewish people was the Day of Atonement. And what the Day of Atonement was, it was the, the once a year when the, the high priest would go into the, the most central part of the temple, the Holy of Holies, right? And make sacrifices for the, for the, for the sins of the nation, right? And part of the sacrifice would be two goats. You know, one goat would be a sacrifice that was slaughtered for the sins of the other goat, the sins of the nation and, and the future sins would be put on the goat and they would let the goat go free. And during this, this process, of, or this day, and all these different elements of the day, one of the elements was the nation should fast. 
The Bible provides a number of other places where fasting happens, O'Donnell shares. It might be an expression of humiliation and sorrow over one's sin. It might be uh, because of a great loss and mourning. And we see in Acts, fasting occurs in conjunction with the appointment of elders. Or there's commissioning of missionaries in Acts. Um, but the main reason that we fast is to nourish our hunger for God and reduce our hunger for the world. The main reason we fast is to nourish our hunger for God and reduce our hunger for the world. Sometimes we treat stewardship and prayer and fasting as checklists. But what Jesus wants us to tell, to tell us is that they have to be done with the right heart. Right? And the right motive. Or they're worthless. Or they're finite for sure. For example, um, many of you know um, that these last years I've kind of fought some lower back pain. And if you were in the men's retreat last year, after I skied some, I pretty much laid down the rest of the day, right? So Jay was there and Jay was like, hey, let me help you out with that. And, and Jay gave me some exercises. And, and you know, just like any, any you know, doctor who helps you and gives you some exercises, you get all excited because the pain's really high and you'll do whatever. You know, when a week goes by and you're a good student and then you kind of get a B the next week. So by the third week, there's one of these things, these wall squats. So you basically sit against a wall, which thanks, Jay, for that one. You know, so, you know, you're doing this thing. But, but, by, but by the third week, I was just kind of like watching TV doing this. And Rivers was like, what are you doing? Wall squats. Do you see, do you see where doing a wall squat with the wrong heart doesn't do a thing at all? Just checking a box off when it comes to spiritual disciplines, is the same. Maybe some of you have been taught even in your lives, you get out of things what you put into them, right? That makes sense in lots of areas of life. And this is a key teaching that Jesus wants um, his people to know. When your goals of doing re religious rhythms are to be seen as spiritual from other people, then what you will get, people will see you as spiritual. But if you want to grow in your relationship with God and you actually think through with the right motive of these disciplines, what you will get is growing in your relationship with God. And here's the hard news of this teaching, right? You can give away tons of money and you get no reward from God. You could spend hours each week praying and studying the Bible and you can get no reward from God. You could fast and go days or weeks without good things and still receive no reward from God. There are some great things we need to say and do to the world to let them know about the kingdom. The world, many of our neighbors, they don't know the gospel or they don't care about Jesus and they've never met a Christian that really believed all these things and actually his life followed the teachings of the Bible. And God asks us to go and be beautiful feet. Go bring good news. Go do actions that people will see and respond to. And even when the lawyer goes to Jesus and says, how do I have eternal life? The very thing that Jesus tells the lawyer to do is to do something that will be seen by a person. Show mercy to people. 
But there are things in the spiritual world that need to stay hidden. And Jesus is bringing up three of those here. Your stewardship, your prayer life, fasting. And when you do them in secret, the Father will reward you. A Scottish pastor in the 1900s named A.B. Bruce, he kind of summed this up. Show when tempted to hide and hide when tempted to show. Show when tempted to hide and hide when tempted to show. When you give, keep it hidden. Don't let your left hand know what your right hand's doing. When you pray, keep it hidden. Go behind a closed door. When you fast, keep it hidden. Wash up, look normal. So what's the main theme of this section? Well, Jesus said when he started this whole part in chapter six, beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them. For then you will have no reward from your Father who is in heaven. Friends, Jesus expects us to give and to pray and to fast. It may be their culture. Everybody did those things back then with Jesus. But I can tell you, this isn't the norm today. Giving tons of money away, spending your day talking to an invisible person, not getting all the things that you want in this life. These are not the norm. When it comes to fasting, like many of the things that I'm learning as I get to teach here, is I need to grow in it. Some of, the, in, some of you in the room, fasting is a healthy, regular practice. It's a, it's a discipline you have and you love and you probably give a much better sermon today than I could give on fasting. But um, I also want to say that this can also be an introduction to some of you in the room. Maybe you've never intentionally withheld yourself from good things so that you can have something better. So fasting, not doing something good for a better spiritual purpose. Kind of what happens when you don't eat food? We use food as an example. What does this create? Well, it's this physical need in our body that we can actually feel. I felt hungry before and I don't like it. So then I eat, right? There's a feeling that happened. So God wants to use this feeling of desiring a cheeseburger to turn and remind me that he's there and that he will fulfill all my needs. He's the giver of all good things, the eternal satisfier. Church, we drift. We think this world has all we need and the discipline of fasting will help us realign what's good and real and right. Jesus is the only good thing we need. He can truly satisfy the hunger pains of this world. But when we fast in secret, we gain this wonderful reward by growing in our relationship with God. We get realigned. Remember that Jesus is coming again to bring in the kingdom of God in all his fullness. Even the Pharisees came to Jesus and said, why don't your disciples fast right now? Was well, like, well, it's time to have a feast because I'm here. 
but a day is coming when I won't be here and they will fast. He tells a story about old wineskins and new wineskins. And there's this difference of fasting, the old fasting and the new fasting. And right now we're in a seasoned church. When we fast, we know the Messiah has come. We know he is real. We know he is alive. Our fast is getting excited for he's coming back. So I just want to close today with six tips for fasting. Uh, David Mathis from Desiring God. Had, had some tips, and I used some of those. And, um, so they'll be up here behind me. Um, just starting off, uh, just know it's hard. Um, as you go into it, knowing it's going to be difficult um, helps getting through a fast. Um, most of us in the room know running five miles would be hard. Um, but right now you could think, running a mile is not too hard. Running a mile is pretty hard for those of us who don't run miles. You know what I'm saying? So when it comes to fasting, just know that it, have the right expectations. Um, uh, and even at reading Jen's blog this week that you posted, the, the second thing about fasting is hard is keeping it secret. You know what I'm saying? Because we eat all the time with people all the time. You know, keeping it secret is that that's going to be something hard too. Number two, you start small. Um, don't try a week-long fast starting tomorrow if you've never fasted before, right? Or, or you read Matthew 4 and like, Jesus went 40 days. I got this. Just know like, Start, with, start, start small. Start whatever that means for you. Start small. Number three, make a plan. Why are you fasting? What are you going to do instead of eating? Who will you be praying for? Will you be praying for somebody else or maybe for yourself? Something that God's wanting you to do or something that God wants you to stop doing. Maybe some sin in your life. God wants to speak to you in your prayers and having a plan as you go into fasting um, will, will help your heart and mind connect with the Lord and the Holy Spirit. Number four, think of others. As I mentioned earlier, your family and coworkers, um, some appointments that maybe you have, uh, they're going to be affected by this. Uh, it, this actually um, is not too much of a problem if you, if you think ahead of when you're going to fast and what your plans are. Um, and, but as I said before, um, I, I, I'll, I'll be fasting. All of a sudden there's like sandwiches in front of me because how did that happen? Because you forget or maybe your, your kids or spouse didn't know and they're just bringing you the food that they're used to doing. That's my life. I don't know if that's your life. <laughs> food just shows up from me. All right, number five, um, consider different kinds of fasting. Now, the, if the goal, right, if the goal of fasting is to be reminded of the glorious gifts of our king, uh, then purposefully um, stop doing something uh, that, you, that you normally love to do um, can be lots of different things. And, and due to medical things, uh, maybe not eating is, is not healthy, and a doctor would say, please don't fast from food. Um, so, so think through um, um, something in your life that you could withhold from, and then when you have that desire to do that thing, um, that you can be reminded to pray and read and lean into, lead into God and rely on him. And lastly, fast with others. And this sounds maybe confusing because we've been talking about secrecy the whole time. But when you fast with others, what I, what I mean is you're fasting with people, but you don't announce to people that you're fasting with a bunch of people. You're still individually fasting. But when you fast with friends and, 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 and family and a spiritual family, um, what happens there is um, there's this um, unitedness. There's this connection uh, that you know you're not alone in this and that your friends are also 
wanting to hunger God together. So that's something that, uh, that you can personally organize. And, and many of the fasts that Rivers and I have been in, uh, just through uh, different churches and seasons, have been with a group of people with a group of people. So when we say do it in secret, it doesn't mean you can't ever do it with people. Um, but we used to even do a, a program with our students, which we might do here sometime, called a 30-hour famine, where we raise money and, and, and don't let the kids eat for 30 days, 30, wow, 30 days, 30 hours. And uh, they were really hangry at the end of that one. No, a 30-hour famine. And, and, um, and those were just sweet times for us as, uh, as the leaders, you know, and it, there was... It was, a, it was a sweet experience in reminding of this, the gift of the discipline of fasting. Um, but, and I just want to just encourage us maybe this week. Um, on Monday, um, just getting back from, um, driving back from the wedding, um, like many of you woke up hearing about the tragedy in Las Vegas, right? Like this, this horrible, um, largest mass shooting uh, in our country. Um, and just, I must have said, oh, Jesus, like the news is on and Rivers and I heard a lot. I'm just like, I just keep saying, oh, Jesus, you know, just seeing this horrendous act, just going, Jesus, what else do you say, right? Like, why? Like, you're just thinking through. So uh, maybe this week, and it doesn't have to be more organized than this, um, I'm going to fast this week. And what that looks like for me should and will probably be different than what decides for you. But maybe as a church community this week, um, fast, do something. Pick a day, pick a meal, pick, pick something that you do. And let's pray for the hundreds, if not thousands of people that are at funerals, right? Missing kids and parents and the tragedy and just help us um, be thankful and be ready for the next tragedy in our lives. And that we pray for them and that we pray that the peace would, would, would be upon those people. So... It's not a requirement. It's just something saying, hey, together, maybe let's fast for, for Las Vegas and, and, and the hundreds of people affected by that. And right now, I just want to kind of close the sermon with a, a prayer for Las Vegas and, and the people affected by this shooting. Father, I, I, um, I feel blessed with having healthy kids and healthy friends and no funerals planned this week. But we have brothers and sisters and fellow Americans and people who are just shocked. And you remind us that grace and peace is a gift from you. And it's not experienced all over the world at the same time ever. And you see it all at one time. All the tragedy, every second, all of it inside all those homes you see the tragedy second after second and you still love us you still continue to bring peace and i pray you bring peace bring peace to the to the, to the families bring peace to the to the workers city Bring peace to many of us in this world that are shocked and not getting any answers to our questions. But Jesus Christ, we don't doubt you. We don't doubt you're sovereign. We don't doubt you have a plan. But when life hurts, we run to you, Jesus. We weep 
with those who weep. It's in your name. Amen.